the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The redemptive solution to our sinful nature when we want to harm people because we're angry. The redemptive solution is that the very thing in me that wants to kill somebody else needs to be killed. Hey, thank you for joining us here today on Way of Grace, the radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, online at grace-bible.com. We've been steadily making our way through a study called Arise, Move, and Go, and we find ourselves taking a look at chapter 11 of Numbers today. Moses lost his patience with his people and lost his focus on what God's plan was. This begs the question, are you and I listening for the Lord's direction for us today? Is God directing and guiding your life? Well, let's go to Numbers now. That's where we catch up with Pastor Jesse in Chapter 11 as we get started on this edition of Way of Grace. That new man must be comprehended by your character by your calling and by your relationship with God, not by tattoos on your body. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's so very, now we, 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 we get you. You, 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 somebody lied to you about what you do with your body and you, you turned into a human totem pole. I get that. That's what Egyptians do. That's what we do. Okay. And so you still saved by grace. I, we get it. And you're going to have to explain them tattoos. And I'm, it's okay if you put some of the Christian ones on because you got Christians doing that hybrid stuff right now as well. Um, but God had told Israel, don't you play around with those things because I want people to know you for who you are in me. So Moses is struggling because Moses is discovering that the people that he is leading doesn't know God. And on this day, Moses was provoked to evil, point number one. They provoked Moses to evil. Now, you have never been provoked to evil. You don't know nothing about being mad at nobody for no reason. You don't even understand what all this is about with Moses. Moses, you're supposed to be more graced than that. But y'all have to remember, Moses killed a brother. (laughs) He had to do 40 years in organic prison for anger. And uh, here he is. Right back at square one. Have you ever been that way? Have you ever been uh, in a lengthy journey with God, really enjoying your newness of life, that spiritual dynamic, and then come to discover you still got quite a bit of that old fella that you had to really overcome still lingering in the chambers? He now, that old fella wants to now serve God. Y'all get that in a moment. That old fella wants to serve God now. He wants to serve God, and the text tells us in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. 
and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. We recognize that, don't we? God cannot countenance evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity. God will punish all forms of disobedience. But the last line said Moses also was what? And I began to work with you on how to properly understand that last week. The English translators did not do justice to the meaning of that Hebrew term. That Hebrew term literally means to do evil. To do evil. I share with you in Genesis 6 verse concerning the children of men that God looked upon the sons of men on the earth and saw that the imagination of their hearts were only evil continually. Do you guys see the language? Only evil continually. And God was doing an x-ray of the totality of the society in Noah's day where they were given over to all kinds of base evil. Now God said this would happen when we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and what? So now we know evil, don't we? And Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 15, out of the heart proceeds all manner of what? Evil, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, idolatries, blasphemies, anger, and all of that proceeds from our heart. You and I are just like Moses, are we not? Only on this day, Moses let this evil prevail. He let it prevail. And what I appreciate about Moses is, is that he allowed it to prevail, but he did something that most of us don't do. What Moses did was the noble act of self-regulation, the noble act of self-discipline, the noble act of self-reflection. A lot of times when you and I emote, we want to assert that our emotion, our emoting, our expressing outwardly, emotion means to move outwardly, We want to assert that why I am moving this way is because of somebody else. We love to do that. But the reality is, is most times, please hear me, most times people can do wrong. That's their fault. They need to be dealt with that. But you're responsible for how you deal with it. Did y'all hear what I stated? People can be evil, they can be wicked, they can be vile, they can be manipulative, and you and I have to ask, why why are we hanging around all those snakes? Because that's what snakes do. But when they bite you, you're ready to bite back. That means you're a snake just like them. And what I'm getting at is that we need to work through something that I don't think Americans do well at all. This is why we're buying into this foolish woke doctrine and falling apart because we think we can solve our problems by blaming somebody else 400 years ago for our present predicament. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Right, so here's what I want you to capture. Here's what I want, to ca- want you to capture. If you're going to help somebody, if you're going to help anybody, you got to get right with God yourself. If you're going to help, in, if, you, if you collectively with the plane are going down because the pilots have been compromised, you got to put your oxygen masks on first and make sure you got enough of the Holy Ghost in you. And then go around helping other people as you prepare to exit that crashing plane. And so what Moses has done was capture the reality that what was going on inside of him was about him, not about them. And notice how he uses this. Again, this terminology is a, a very strong terminology uh, piece of language. Notice how Moses deal with this. This is over in verse 11. Look at verse 11 now. He says, and Moses said unto the Lord, wherefore have you afflicted your servant? Referring to himself. And wherefore have I not found favor in your sight? Referring to himself. 
that you should lay the burden of all this people upon me. So now here's what Moses is doing. And I shared this with you in our last outline. Moses has allowed the evil and the wickedness and the complaining and the murmuring of the people to get to him. Now, you and I are, are human beings and we're very, um, we're very porous. You and I can't bear things long without it pouring into our character. And so over time, Moses let it seep into his mind and seep into his heart. And now he's doing something that's going to help you and I understand the principle of application around the nature of the gospel. Because Moses is a mediator. He's like a priest. You know, he's been running up to God and talking to God on the behalf of the people. He's been running down from God and talking to the people on the behalf of God. He's both a priest and a prophet, which all of us are called to be. Didn't I tell you that? Your role as a child of God is both prophetic and what? It's both priestly and what? Sometimes you're speaking for God to men and other times you're speaking to God for men. And Moses now is rustling because you know what he has done? He has moved to the side of actually speaking for God as a prophet against his own people. Did that make some sense? Now he's ready to side with God in the destruction of his own people. This here is something that Moses caught and Moses recognizes that he needs to avoid complicity in the impulse to harm others in the name of righteousness. He needs to avoid the impulse of complicity to harm others in the name of righteousness. For those of you who know the gospel, I'm getting ready to help you. The gospel is very clear. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's only one human being on the planet that ever passed the test and he's back in glory now. And his righteousness, you and I need. But every time you and I exercise our own righteousness, we're going to get in trouble. Because our own righteousness never is on the side of God against us. It's always on the side of God for us. So that now we want to implement law to punish everybody else for what we think they did wrong. Am I making some sense? Now, Moses in your Bible is a great type of the law. Y'all know that. He's the lawgiver. Jesus said, you guys have Moses. That's what we call an adumbration to the law. That's a nomenclature that covers the law. John said it in John chapter 117. Moses brought you the what? But grace and truth comes through Jesus. So we teach that Moses is a type of the law. He is because God gave the law by legislation through him. God told Moses to execute that law. That law was designed to bring Israel into the promised land. You and I learned that there is a righteousness in the law, have we not? But something you are learning through the personality of Moses around the law, and that's this. Moses is starting now to, de- he's starting now to demonstrate what it means to be a self-righteous judge based on law apart from grace. See, Romans chapter 4 verse 15 teaches us, that the role of the law works wrath. He teaches us this, that if you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be somebody that constantly wants to bring people under judgment, you're going to become a Pharisee. And when you're a Pharisee, you're going to be implementing the law only to punish people that you find guilty of that law and somehow excuse yourselves. Am I making some sense? This is why Jesus said, he that is without sin, let him do what? 
cast the first stone. So here Moses is struggling with an internal dynamic to want. He wants the very people that God is leading him to lead them to the promised land to go to hell. Now, again, I know these kind of things don't rest in your bosom. You've never said in your heart to hell with him or to hell with us. Not y'all, y'all good Christian folk. Good Christian folk. It never has emerged in your heart to do that. But, but Moses is struggling with that. Listen, Brother Herman, though, Moses caught it. See, the average Christian wants to vent it. They, they, they want somebody to know how holy they are and their holy indignation against somebody else. This is dangerous in the home. This is dangerous in the home. This is dangerous in the home. Mom and daddy can teach their kids to be self-righteous by how they are with each other. See, once you start slinging the sword around, everybody can find a sword. The children can find swords against the parents. And the parents can find, now everybody in the house is jabbing each other, fighting. <laughs> now the house is supposed to be the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. But I walk by your house, you're a Christian. I'm walking by your house and I'm seeing kids flying over with Superman punches at dad. And y'all supposed to be enjoying the grace of God. What you have done is lost your mind. And in the sinful impulses of self-righteousness, you're slaying one another. Am I making sense? Right. What I love about Moses is he catches it. He catches it. That's what it means to be meek. To be meek does not mean to be perfect. To be meek simply means to submit to God when you find yourself in trouble. That's what it means to be meek. And that's what's going on with my boy. He said, Lord, you have afflicted your servant. Have I not found favor in your heart, in your, in your sight? This burden is too heavy for me. I agree with him. I agree with him. The impulse has driven Moses. See, we can extrapolate this out. If Moses was left to this kind of disposition, then Moses would be every leader who punishes everybody who doesn't conform to that leader's will. That's called totalitarianism. Moses would be every leader that would punish every person every time that person does not conform to their will. You can see Moses now in, uh, in all of the kings of Israel that sought to destroy all the prophets. You can see Moses, uh, Moses now, the anger of Moses in Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar told everybody, y'all need to bow down to this golden idol because this golden idol represents me. And if you bow, don't bow down, I'm going to kill you. You see how self-righteousness can stir up? We can see now Moses actually operating in King Herod, who had John the Baptist beheaded because John simply told him, you can't commit adultery. See, they wanted to censor John like folks want to censor us today because we're telling you the truth. We can see how that Moses would have been the rulers of Israel that killed Jesus. Can y'all see that? And I'm going to get ready to go there in a moment. And so what I'm getting at, if you extrapolate this out or just generalize this out, what we're seeing is the law killing everybody that they feel like in their own arbitrary judgment is threatening their position. Moses now is recognizing exactly what I told you. He saw himself clearly. Look at verse 15. This is Moses after he pleads with God. He says in verse 15, and if you deal thus with me, do what? If you deal thus with me, do what? 
I want you to capture that, child of God, because this is not simply a kind of an emotional appeal for God to simply take him away from his responsibility. Moses is now showing you and I the redemptive solution to our sinful nature when we want to harm people because we're angry. The redemptive solution is that the very thing in me that wants to kill somebody else needs to be killed. The redemptive solution is Romans 8.13, where Paul taught us that if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you do by the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. Did y'all capture that? So now watch what the gospel is teaching you. Watch what a redemptive solution to a sinful impulse, which calls you to be counterintuitive. Counterintuitive means turn that sword on yourself. The very sword you want to use to wipe somebody else out, turn it on yourself. Now, you can't do it if you don't know the grace of God. Because, see, the grace of God lets you off the hook when it comes to your sinful tendencies. Because there's a place to put your sin when you sin against God so that he doesn't have to kill you. Am I making some sense? So what Paul is teaching us is the doctrine of mortification. If you, through the spirit, do mortify, that means put to death the deeds of the body, you shall what? This is exactly what Moses is doing, is he not? I told you that Moses here is a type of the law. And the law covenant makes it very clear the law works wrath. I showed you that Romans chapter 4, verse 15. Where, wherever there's a righteous standard, here's what you can be sure of. Somebody going to break that standard. Now, what the law tells you and me, if we don't keep God's law perfectly, we violated God's law. The only solution is death. The wages of sin is what? Right. Moses knows that now. He knows it internally as well as externally. And it's very important for you to catch that because the law works wrath. This is what makes religion so dangerous. That verse right there, because a religion will turn into legalism over time when it asserts its own righteousness over people rather than comprehending the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the history of Judaism. This is the history of Catholicism. This is the history of all works religion. Many of you guys grew up in works religion, didn't you? You grew up in those systems where they told you, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't do this, God's going to curse you, send you to hell. Now, half of that is true. You need to know that. But the other half is this. There is a remedy for our sin when we comprehend the merits of Christ who becomes a substitute for sinners. That's the message of the gospel. And here's what I want you to capture. Moses is now negotiating that. What Moses is negotiating when he says, kill me, is he's echoing a foreshadowing of the one who came to be the substitute for sinners. Yeah, I love this. Capturing child of God, every believer knows that he must die. Is that true? See, Paul said it like this very much so, I die daily. He also said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, he says concerning himself, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice what Paul is saying. I'm a dead man walking. And what is he affirming there? He's affirming that you and I have to die in Jesus. 
and that the doctrine of mortification allows us to benefit from Christ's death in our behalf because we can go to that very cross daily and allow our sinful impulses to be once again nullified by the death of Christ on the cross. Am I making some sense, child of God? It's important for you to get this. This is a mystery. If you don't get it, you can never walk in the joy of him who loved us and gave himself for us. Moses being a type of the law, the writer to the book of Hebrews gives us this insight into the nature of the law. I'm going to start at Romans chapter 8, verse 3, and show you something about this personification of Moses in his struggle. This is New Testament theology explaining an Old Testament narrative in the person of Moses. Moses gave us the Old Testament. Jesus gives us the what? New. Moses is a foreshadow of Jesus. Jesus is the new Moses, is he not? And so Moses can teach us things in terms of parallels and in terms of contrast. And what we learn in the Hebrew is that the, um, this is going to be Romans 8, 3, please. What we learn by the writer to the Hebrew, which some people think it was the Apostle Paul, is what we call the weakness and fallibility of the old covenant. And this is what Moses is showing us, how the old covenant, which God had just given to Moses a few chapters back, right? The 10 covenant commandments and the whole legislation of the law was given to Moses to give to the people to lead them where? To the promised land. But you and I know the historical narrative tells us Moses was never able to bring them in. So the law can show you what's right, but the law can't make you right. The law can condemn you, but it can't justify you. The law can show you the standard of obedience, but it can't conform you to that obedience that you need. Am I making sense? So the law can be a mirror for you. And that's what a lot of people love to do. Put up the mirror on you. But you just tell them, turn that mirror around first because you got to look at yourself in the mirror first before you turn it on other people. Am I making some sense? So Moses here, when he says, Lord, why are you showing me my affliction? Why are you showing me my weakness? And verse 15 says, why are you showing me my wretchedness? Because Moses, as a type of the law, is demonstrating that the law cannot do for one person, let alone 1.5 million people, what only the grace of God could do. Here's what you need to know. When Israel goes into the promised land, it won't be by Moses. When sinners enter into the grace of God, which is in Christ, it won't be by the works of the law. If sinners enter into the joy of freedom and liberty and blessed righteousness, it won't be the righteousness of works by men It'll be the righteousness of works by Christ. Now listen to the covenant explanation, which you need to have, because you as a child of God need to discern when people are coming to you with Moses and not Jesus. And church folk and religious folk love to do that. They'll set up their own systems of self-righteousness and plop them on you to impress you. And if you are ignorant of the sufficiency and the beauty and the fullness and the totality and the perfections of Christ, you will buy works religion and it will turn you into a monster too. Did that make some sense? It's very important to get it. Here's what the Hebrew writer says, for what the law could not what? For what the law could not do. What could it not do? It couldn't make you righteous. What couldn't the law do? It couldn't conform you to Christ. What couldn't the law do? It couldn't take away your sin. 
The law can't take away your sin. The law itself can't give you righteousness. The law can't change your heart. All it can do is inform you. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And this is the thing. I'm going to drill this down for a minute to help some of you religious folk, because it's really important for you to learn whether or not you're a child of grace or a child of false works religion. It's important for you to know because there is a power in the law and a glory in the law like there's a glory in the gospel. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.